Hey, good evening. It's uh, August 22nd. Man, has this month gone by fast or what? Of course, we've had several exciting events. Mercury retrograde eclipses, uh, uh, meteor showers, and um, my tomcat killed a mole and left it outside my door. So, gosh, what an exciting month. Oh, come back in a minute. We have an exciting show for you tonight, as always. So we'll talk to you in just a minute. Mm, Bye-bye. of you who are just calling in, um, dialing in, and dropping in, this is, of course, the Crystal Silence League Hour. I'm your jovial host, Reverend John St. Germain, bringing you another hour of metaphysical discussion. And what I'd like to bring up to you right now is that um, we have many things going on here, one of which my studio door is open, and I'm going to have to shut it because if I don't, Figaro... The Psycho Tomcat will be in here knocking everything over, so we're going to have to shut that in just a minute. But before we do that, I'd like to remind you that this is uh, sponsored by LMC Radio Network and Missionary Independent Spiritual Church. And Missionary Independent Spiritual Church, as some of you may know, uh, actually revived the Crystal Silence League from its uh, silence. Uh, The Crystal Silence League was originally founded around 1917 by Mr. Claude Alexander Conlon for the purpose of distributing positive prayers and affirmations to all those in need of such. And then, when he passed away in 1954, the League went with him. And um, until, of course, adepts of Missionary Independent Spiritual Church brought it back to life in cybernetic form, and you can find it on the Internet at www.crystalsilenceleague.org. And so... Um, You can go there and you'll find that we post prayers there and we get a couple hundred prayers a week. And I'm not exaggerating. We really do. And prayer is always free. And we have a gift shop and you can buy stuff there. And a lot of the stuff that we sell there is um, uh, crystals and crystal balls. We have a few uh, pieces of literature, a couple of books written by our founder, Claude Alexander Conlon, on crystal gazing and applications of crystal gazing. And one book written by me. Uh, Reverend John St. Germain called Crystal Magic, Spellcraft, uh, Divination and Healing through the Use of Gemstones and Crystals. It's a mouthful of a title and a handful of a book. So uh, grab that if you can. It's uh, it's a steal, really, at under $10. You get almost 100 pages of, uh, of uh, information on uh, new thought, new thought techniques, crystal gazing techniques, spell work, healing, all sorts of stuff with crystals. Which brings us to our crystal of the week, which is green tourmaline. Uh, one of the interesting things about green tourmaline, or tourmaline of any any kind really, is that uh, you can charge it by stroking it. And I don't mean magically charging it, I mean electrically charging it. Uh, it will, uh, tourmaline are in these long crystals, and if you get one that is in a long crystal, 
like a pencil form, and you just stroke it or squeeze it even because it has a piezoelectric effect, it will become positively charged at one end and negatively charged at the other. And you can pick up pieces of uh, small pieces of paper with it and ash. And in fact, green tourmaline used to be used in the 1700s to pull ash from uh, people's uh, pipes. And uh, the Dutch called the stone uh, Oskentrekker, or ash puller. Did you know that about green tourmaline? And, well, actually, all tourmaline. Now, uh, green tourmaline comes in uh, a couple of forms. There's the green tourmaline and watermelon tourmaline, which is very cool because it's, it has a pink interior surrounded by an outer green um, coating. It looks like you slice directly through a watermelon. And uh, this is uh, especially good for activating the heart chakra because pink and green both uh, resonate to the heart chakra. And green is useful for attracting wealth. So uh, watermelon tourmaline is almost like a uh, all-purpose attraction stone. It attracts love and wealth and luck. So, my goodness, goodness, what else do you need in life, really? So... Um, Pink tourmaline uh, also comes by itself and can be used for heart chakra work, love work, just like you would rose quartz. And it's a very high-frequency high, high stone, too, very protective stone. Uh, green tourmaline will attract luck and success and prosperity, and it inspires the entrepreneurial spirit, and it can um, help you uh, achieve your goals. It can help you focus on your goals, uh, plan your goals, and... Uh, Achieve your goals. And uh, it's also used quite often uh, as an energizer, an overall energizer. Tourmaline of all sorts will energize uh, a person. And um, green tourmaline, like many uh, green stones, um, can put you in touch with the uh, plant and vegetable kingdom. It can help you with the garden. It can help you attract garden spirits. And... Um, it is a stone that can be used for scrying in any of its colors. Black tourmaline is usually used for scrying, but green and pink can also too. Um, so um, it's a very useful stone. It's a hard stone. It's, uh, it's an aluminum silicate, very hard. And so if you make an infusion of it or a serum, uh, an elixir, you can just uh, drop it in the water, leave the water out all day or all night. It depends on if you want to charge it with sunlight or moonlight. And then come back for it, uh, take the water, take the stone out of the water, and um, uh, uh, add a few drops of brandy, and um, you're, you're set. Just uh, use it. You can sprinkle it around the house, sprinkle it on you, uh, spritz it, put it in a spritzer, uh, anoint your chakras with it, and use it in your spell work. So that is our stone of the week, green tourmaline. As I pointed out, we have um, a number of prayers, and before I do that, I do want to shut the door to my studio um, because I, I sense the presence of evil kittens and stuff, and I'm also very, very loud, and I do have other people that live here with me, so I'm going to go ahead and shut my door, so bear with me for just a second. And I'm shutting my door now.
and my door is now shut. The reason it was open to begin with is because it's really hot here. And uh, I don't know about where you live, but where I'm living, it's really hot and humid and muggy and uh, just awful. And we're, we'll be glad when summer gives way to autumn because you know what's around the corner, don't you? Halloween. And every week of Halloween, I'm planning on having shows dedicated to the strange and the anomalous. <laughs> like like each show's not dedicated to the strange and the anomalous, but especially the strange and the anomalous. Every topic for, for October will be anomalous. If you go to the uh, Crystal Silence League website, www.crystalsilenceleague.org, you'll see our prayer requests, and you are certainly invited to pray along with everyone in need of prayer. And it's been my custom since I started this here show to read some of these prayers out loud and ask you to pray with me. So why don't we do that? And I never identify these prayers by name, even though I have them here in pictures and all kinds of information because I'm a pastor and I can get into that secret part of the website. But I will identify them by prayer ID number. So why don't we begin? And we'll start with prayer ID number 64612, who says, I need a sugar daddy ASAP. And she prays, I'm at my wit's end. I'm eight months pregnant, without a vehicle, and dead broke. No family, no support. I need to desperately find a handsome rich man who will fall in love with me and will help me, at, help me no matter the expense. Please, I'm dying on the inside. All my belongings that I brought up from Florida are being kept far away if they're all still there. I have many irreplaceable items there, and it drives me crazy. Please help money to flow rapidly into my life at all times. Thank you. Amen. And I'll tell you, I got her picture here. She's cute, guys. If you're rich and handsome, got a lot of money, and want a high-maintenance girlfriend, just go over there. There she is. CrystalSilenceLeague.org. Prayer ID 64611. Who says, Thank you, Saint Expediti, for helping me achieve my goal and for acting on my financial benefit. Amen. The prayer answered. Prayer ID 64610. Who says, Please pray for my boyfriend who has sciatica nerve pain and have to walk with the cane and have to wear a back brace. Amen. Oh, my goodness, I had that. It is awful. Sciatica is awful. I hope he gets well soon. No one understands how badly that hurts until they've had it themselves. Believe me. Prayer ID 64609. My cousin M is fighting cancer. It keeps hitting her organs. I pray and ask for a miracle. She has two young children who need her. Pray for health and the cancer to go away. Thank you. Amen. Prayer ID 64607. May the powers of the universe impart upon my most beloved a strong desire and love for me. Strengthen the emotions which already exist and increase them a thousandfold. Thank you and amen. Prayer ID 64605. Lord, please help me to be able to settle all my finances, my financial problems like rent, books for my kids, tuition fees, and food. I surrender my financial affairs and concerns to you, Lord. Thanks so much, Lord, for your blessings. Amen. And prayer ID 64604. My beloved, true other half-twin soul, soulmate, is very, very sick. 
He can barely eat due to chronic stomach and digestive dysfunction, has chronic breathing problems, diabetes, and all his organs are shutting down. He is dying. We're quite young, in our early 30s. There's an operation that could save his life, but it is, one, only performed in Germany, and two, extremely expensive. He would not be able to use insurance. About $14,000 plus travel and trip expenses. We have nothing. We need a miracle soon. Amen. Prayer ID 64603. How? I hope you're all well, and in fact, I pray now to that effect. It's been well over a year since a request. I believe Souls of Light, as an update, my new high-quality Android tablet came dead on arrival. Defective without being physically damaged, odds of a defect like this may be 5,000 to 1. My glasses just broke for the third time in a short period. Weird accidents. Having around 100 bad events like this per year, please unjinx, uncross prayers. Bad luck to good good luck. Alchemy, thank you. Amen. If you've had a hundred in a year, that is quite a bit of a bad run. Uncrossing uh, uncrossing to you. We hope you get uncrossed. Pray ready six four six oh two. Thank you all for your wonderful prayers in the past. You all have helped me and my family so much. I come to you all again to ask to pray for me and my family to have a financial blessing. I'm far behind on bills, and I need your prayers for us to get back on our feet again. I know with all your prayers this can happen, Heavenly Father and angels. I ask that you answer my prayer for our financial blessing, and with these loving people's prayers, strengthen this request. In Jesus' name, amen. And pray right 64601. Please pray in the name of Jesus, my son, to be released from jail. Please pray for my son, M. Please pray for the judge to release him. Please pray for PJ to stand up for my son, M. Please pray, M, get out of jail today, tomorrow. My son, M, has a daughter and loves life. He is not a bad kid. He's only 19 years old. I don't have $1,200. Please pray for him to get out. It's been three weeks. Amen. And prayer ID 64600. Please pray for my friend, M's mother, who is diagnosed with cancer of the bone marrow that her treatment will be successfully completed and she will be healed may this be so amen let's have a moment of prayer for all those in need of comfort and salvation and affirmation and blessing
Amen. Well, hey, it's good to see you all. Reverend St. Germain, how can you see us? You're on the radio. Hey, I see far in my crystal ball. And uh, last week we started our discussion of the astral senses. And we pointed out that there were, just as there are five physical senses, there are five astral senses, and these are the balawick of the astral body. They are the domain ruled by and possessed by the astral body, which exists on the astral plane, which is the plane just above this one. We also pointed out that the astral plane does not consist entirely of spirit, but of a subtle matter, and that the astral body is sort of a... a, shell of subtle matter that encases the spirit. And at the time of death, the astral body can linger for some time after the soul of the person has gone and even visit um, relatives and people and interact with people for some time after the death of the physical body and the moving on of the spiritual body, and um, which accounts for many uh, supernatural or uh, strange events that occur at the time of death. The astral body can also leave the uh, physical body with proper training and flit about all over the universe. Um, so it's um, we also talked that, about the power of belief and disbelief in the development of the astral senses. Um, if a person strongly disbelieves that anything astral or occultic or supernormal metaphysical or psychic exists, the odds are very good they'll never experience it or never notice it. Um, And if you believe very strongly that these things are possible, you probably will become experience-prone. That's a term I came up with, experience-prone, that a lot of stuff will happen to you of a uh, paranormal event. Now, uh, many occultists throughout history have known, and they teach, that the astral senses uh, will unfold and become common as the race progresses. And um, it will be a common thing among everyone. Everyone will have astral senses. This was believed but one time to be quite near. Uh, We keep having setbacks. We keep having spiritual setbacks. We keep having um, uh, cultural... uh, retrogrades, if I can use that term, to where we'll advance so far spiritually as a race, as a species, as a people, and then we get set back. Now, individuals, certain individuals with each step forward progress forward, but the human race as a whole gets knocked back on its heels and returns to a uh, position that's firmly entrenched in the material plane. Now, there are a lot of people who don't want to wait for the evolution of the human race to catch up with them, and they begin manifesting this power quite ahead of the game. It's like when they're superhuman geniuses like Einstein and Newton. Um, they get ahead of the rest of the people, and then the rest of us have to catch up. Um, many people possess and develop these astral powers far ahead of the, the bell curve that the rest of the human race is advanced in. And some people are just born with it. Now, there are a lot more people in this stage of development than than you might think, than is generally recognized. First of all, a lot of people 
have uh, these astral powers and they just don't talk about it because they're not in a atmosphere conducive of acceptance. They could be like ordinary people, your bank teller, uh, your accountant, just people that work in a in a law office, and they're uh, astrally projecting and doing all kinds of stuff. They just don't talk about it. And then you might have people who uh, occasionally manifest it. Uh, naturally, they're, they're natural magicians. They naturally manifest it, but they chalk it up to imagination. You know, they just think, man, I must be tired. I just had an imagination. I knew uh, a lot of people I've talked to who said they never had any kind of uh, psychomantic experience. You know, they're rationalists. And when I, when I probe them, you know, when I grill them, you know, they said, well, I, you know, one time, you know, I did this marathon race and then, uh, I was really tired and I went home and it was like I had an out of body like hallucination. Or was it? Was it a hallucination? You know, or, um, yeah, one time I had a dream about drowning and then the next day my neighbor's kid fell in the pool and I saw it because I, I was just thinking about that dream. I kept looking at that pool and I just saw the neighbor's kid fall. I went and rescued him, but, you know, he, he would have died. And I thought, so that wasn't. A psychomantic experience? Well, no, it's just a coincidence. So you see, these things can be chalked away as foolishness or imagination very, very easily, and they don't if you don't recognize the reality. Of course, the more you recognize the reality of these experiences, the more the mind becomes adapted to it, and more likely to uh, have them happen again. You know, the more you do something, the more you're inclined to do it. That's just nature. And the more you think about something, the more inclined you are to think about it. If you sit around all day and dwell about stealing something from work, eventually you're going to do it. You know, the odds are you're going to do it. But if you think moral thoughts, you think, well, I would never think about stealing from work, then you're not going to do it. It's just not part of your action. So the, the things that you recognize and think about more often, uh, the brain, the mind, the soul, the spirit becomes acclimated to it, and you're more likely to experience it. Um, um now, a lot of people ask, how can the psychic faculty uh, can be manifest and developed? They say, I want to do that. I want to astrally project. Now, I'm going to tell you, though, I think astral projection is a waste of time. Uh, you know, it's cool, but, you know, get in your car and go somewhere. You know, it, it's a waste of time. Um, but, you know, if you want to do it, fine. Uh, people go, oh, it's cool. You know, it's a trip. Yeah, but it's not really a sign of any, you know. Uh, if you meditate and you become very good at meditative absorption at some point, in your development, you're going to uh, step out of your body. And people tell their teachers this. They go, yes, just ignore it. It's not conducive to enlightenment. It's not conducive to mental development or spiritual development. In fact, it's a distraction. So many of these psychomantic powers are just distractions on the road to something higher, which is why Buddha forbade his monks. Buddha said, don't you know, don't show people this. He had monks that could levitate and do all kinds of stuff. And there are monks today who it can exhibit uh, supernormal abilities. They're called cities, but they don't. And uh, I, I get in that discussion a lot of people say, well, we know if people, if, if these monks would do it, more people would turn to Buddhism. Well, they would do it to learn to levitate. They wouldn't do it to learn to, beco to become enlightened. You see, and Buddha actually addressed that in a sutta. Uh, a skeptic said, well, you know, um, Mr. Buddha, if uh, these monks uh, Mahakasapa was the master of paranormal uh, phenomena. So, well, this man can levitate, do these things. Why don't you tell? Uh, why, don't, why don't you go into town and show that? So you get lots of monks. He said, "Well, I'll tell you because if Mahakasapa 
were to uh, go into town and levitate, there would be those who said, you know, that's not real. He's doing it through this magic trick. It's an illusion. And they would never, and they, they would completely discredit my teachings. It's right there, three thirty-five hundred years ago. He said they would say it was either done by this uh, charm, you know, through some sorcery. You'd have on the one hand, and today that would be people who look at like Chris Angel and go, "That's the devil's work. He sold his soul to the devil," or they would say it was a trick. And that is exactly right because, uh, in my experience, um, with skeptics. If you show them something real and they don't believe it, they don't believe it. You can set it to the circus and see that. There'll be somebody doing an act of skill and some guy behind you is explaining it to his wife and kids. You go, oh, yeah, he's not really on that tightrope. You know, he's got a wire and he's, uh, you can't see it, it's, but it's a projection. It's a hologram. And that guy, that, that's not real fire. That's cold fire. It's, what the fuck is cold fire? You know, but, uh, but you, I used to go to the circus a lot in a sideshow, and, and I'd hear this. That, that sword, he's not really swallowing that sword. It folds up. No, it's not an idiot. He does swallow it. Uh, but, uh, you see, you can show a skeptic a real thing, and they'll they'll tell you it's fake. And this is why I tell a lot of people. They say, well, you know, how do you prove to somebody that you can really, uh, you're really a psychic? I say, well, you can. If, somebody, if somebody's determined to explain it as a trick, they will. You know, Jesus Christ had his skeptics. He walked across the water, and he raised the dead. And there were people, oh, it's a trick, you know. <laughs> Lazarus wasn't really dead. He just smelled dead, you know. Uh, so you're, you're not going to you're not going to convince them. You just won't. So so how do you um, know you've reached this stage where you're um, manifesting these abilities? And, um, well... You can't say. Um, individuals differ. And it, it's like with music. Let's say like with music. Some people are born with a natural musicality. They sit down at a piano and they play it. They open their mouth and, and magic happens. You know, beautiful music occurs. Some people have a talent, but it requires cultivation. They go and take lessons, spend a lot of money. Uh, on musical lessons, and they arrive at the same point the naturally talented person does. And then some people study all their life. Uh, they'll never be an opera singer. They'll ne never have any music. That's me. Uh, you know, I I've taken piano lessons for years and years. And man, uh, when, when I play the piano, the neighbor's cat eats her own kittens. It's it's awful. It's an awful thing to hear. So there are some people who have natural abilities in uh, astral uh, powers. And they just happen. Now, that doesn't mean you don't have to discipline them. Even a person with natural musicality must train. Someone with a natural ability as an artist must train. And someone with a natural ability as a clairvoyant must train. And I'm going to tell you that most don't. They, they say, okay, I'm naturally gifted. Spirit gifts me. I don't have to do anything. Oh, yes, you do. Yes, you do. And... Uh, that's like saying, uh, you know, someone's a natural athlete; they don't have to go to the gym. No, you have to train. So, so how do you? But so cases differ so wild, wildly, wild, widely. I can't tell you uh, when you reach point or how to get there. Um, jump right in. You know, they've never heard it before. They jump right in, and six months later, they're very talented. Some trial their life, and they can't. Um, 
there's this kind of myth that everybody is psychic. Okay, everybody's a mathematical genius. You know, everybody's an artist on the caliber of Michelangelo. <laughs> okay, that, that's an absurd statement. Now, we all have the capacity for evolving into astral senses, but we don't all just walk around with it. And we can train and train and train, and very few of us ever will be an Edgar Casey, very few, or an Ostradamus. Very few of us. So I can't tell you that. I can't tell you how you do that. Now, sometimes it takes an unusual stimulus, uh, you know, like a mom will be washing the dishes, and she gets a premonition that the child is in danger, and sure enough, the child was in a car wreck or something. So um, strong and powerful emotional context will often trigger a spontaneous psychic uh, leap. Some become um, conscious of brilliant colors around people, and they think there's something wrong with their eyes, maybe. Uh, some start hearing um, things that other people don't. They'll hear voices. And I'm not talking about hallucinations. I'm talking about spirits. And how do you tell the difference between a hallucination and a real vision? That's a topic for another show. Um, some see visions in, in reflected surfaces. These are scryers. And that's a very common experience. Um, and some have dreams, prophetic dreams, that come true. And very, very many people have these psychomantic abilities, more, more than we know, more than we know. Um, now, sometimes we say people have hunches, they have intuitions, they have notions, they have presentiments, they have premonitions. They're, they're good guessers. Sometimes they're good guessers. I had a friend who was a skeptic who said, I just think psychics are good guessers. And I said, well, just what does that mean, that you're a good guesser? Uh, you know, okay, I guess... I guess that you know someone named Charlotte who's going to be involved in a real estate transaction, and you better watch yourself because you may come out on the short end of the stick. I'm just guessing, but I think that's going to happen to you You know, in two days at 9 o'clock. Uh, I just guess that. So what does that mean? Uh, uh, it doesn't mean anything. It means, you try to, it means, it means you're grasping uh, at a straw. So, um, uh, you, you know, and then um, – uh, maybe you are a good guesser, but what does that mean? You know, being a good guesser, believe me, is a psychic skill. <laughs> if, if you guess correctly a lot, okay, I guess I guess the red ball is going to land on number four, and to spin the wheel and it lands on number four, and you do that a lot, you're going to be pretty rich. So, um, time psychometry, time projected empathy, uh, means that you can look at the future. You can get glimpses of the future, the past, maybe maybe the present, but uh, the past and the future, time-projected empathy, time-psychometry. Um, in very high degrees, uh, these are very rare. People who can actually do this, very rare. Many people claim it, very few can actually do it. Um, and it takes a lot of patience, even if you can do it uh, fairly Consistently, it takes a lot of practice and a lot of patience to get to the point where you can tell the difference between the the psychomantic senses and just wishful thinking on your part.
Um, so I can't give you a, a set method of instruction or practice because I can't find any. And I've studied this a long time. And there have been teachers who have taught it, but the really good teachers more or less provide guidance. Uh, just like with anything else, you, you can't tell a person how to become a Michelangelo. You can show them techniques and then turn them loose. So concentration is very important. Concentration is very important. And um, you have to cultivate the, the faculty of concentration to an almost supernatural degree. And um, if I were to define concentration simply just keeping your attention at one point on one point for an extended period of time and very few people have it now a lot of people think they do but very few people do and the best way to practice concentration is to practice on something familiar do it several times a day um, a pencil a book uh, your laptop you know your PDA your cell phone but not while you're doing Facebook that's not concentration. So you, you take up the object and you study it in great detail. And the simpler the object, the better, the easier it's going to be a coin, a pencil, a key, a paper clip. Consider it in every part until every detail of that object has been observed and noted by your mind. Perception must mark it. Don't comment on it. Don't try to memorize it. Notice it. Stay on it and notice it. I want to tell you that the really good artists you know, who draw from life are very good at this. Uh, they notice every detail. And this is another technique for developing concentration is to, is to sketch. And I don't mean sketch randomly, but to sketch from life. Put an object in front of you and draw it in perfect detail. doesn't have to be a good drawing. doesn't have to be a scale drawing. But what you're doing is just concentrating on the object. Don't judge the artwork. Judge the concentration of detail. What do you see? If you go to my Facebook page, you'll see a uh, uh, some of my pictures. There's an album of artworks, and you'll see these highly detailed drawings of my own hand. Every line and crease, and um, uh, sometimes the dermal ridges, I drew every detail of these hands. That's my hand that I focused on for hours. Concentrate on it was a meditation exercise to draw make those drawings to to draw every to focus and note and draw every detail of it now it's very difficult to do this from life with a real model because the hours and hours necessary very few people can stand still when I went back to school when I was in my fifties and I was painting from life I had a some friends of mine come by. I had friends I wanted to paint for certain things. They couldn't stand. They couldn't sit still for ten minutes. Uh, they couldn't hold a pose for fifteen minutes. Uh, professional models who model for art classes, they can hold poses for twenty or thirty minutes. Then they take a break and do it again. It's it's an incredible thing, an incredible skill. It's very hard. So lay the object aside. Do it. Pick it up again later and see if you've missed anything. You know, say you're looking at a pencil. You look it over. You Okay, I notice it. I've concentrated on it for five minutes. Five minutes is a long time when you're concentrating. Set it aside. Go about your day. Pick it up. Did you miss anything? Go, go over it a second time. Did you miss something? This is how you develop concentration. And you keep doing it until you've worn that object out. 
until you've gotten everything you can out of it. Then you move on to the next one. Take out a dollar bill and examine it in every detail, especially the old ones. Examine every detail. Follow the lines of the etching of the engraving until you can pick up a pencil and draw it. Just keep doing this. And you say, well, what has this got to do with psychic powers? Well, it's got to do with concentration, and concentration is probably the greatest skill you'll ever develop if you want to be a scryer or if you want to develop these abilities to um, pop out. Um, and this will be of great value to you, not only in your psychic development, but in everything you ever want to do. You'll read faster. You'll retain more knowledge. You'll be more observant of the world around you. Uh, you'll find that you observe people better, and uh, you'll you'll have an incredible amount of uh, uh, mental progress. It's like going to the gym. What good does it do you go to the gym? You lift weights. Uh, I love to lift weights because what good does it do you? I said you have, you have no idea until you do it. You really don't. The not only the strengthening, but the um, if you work out with free weights, you develop poise and balance. You start to walk a different way. You hold yourself a different way. You um, have a different – and I don't, I don't mean powerlifting. I don't mean you're hulking out. I just mean working out with weights. You have to learn balance and poise and technique, and uh, <clears throat> you, um, you develop concentration because if you don't, you're going to hurt yourself. And um, uh, you, the same thing with this concentration. You will – benefit from it. Let's take time out for station identification and we'll be right back. The LMC Radio Network is a media alliance whose excellent shows include the Lucky Mojo Hooter Root Work Hour with Catherine Ironwood and Contraman Ollie, Sundays 3 to 4.30, Kendallo's Corner with Kendallo Canvisa, Michael Carell, and Lady A, Mondays 5 to 7, the Crystal Silence League Hour with John St. Germain, Tuesdays 5 to 6, In the Streets with Beverly Smith, Tuesdays 6 to 7, Fit and Foxy with Madame Nadia and Jaya Danya, Wednesdays 6 to 7. The Now You Know Show with Professor Charles Porterfield, Thursdays 6 to 7.30. The Witch, the Priestess, and the Cauldron with Elvira Love and Phoenix Le Fay, Fridays 6 to 7. And Liquid Libations with Andrea Weston, Saturdays 5 to 7. All Times Pacific, add three hours for Eastern, sponsored by the Lucky Mojo Curio Company in Forestville, California, and online at luckymojo.com. And we're back. We were talking about concentration, how to develop it. Um, after you've developed this for a while, you'll notice a great difference in how you read. You won't have to go back and read the same thing over and over again. You'll develop an intolerance for people who waste your time. And you'll find that your driving improves. You'll be able to predict what other drivers are doing and noticing them more. And uh, concentration leads us to the next uh, important uh, development exercise, and that's visualization. And uh, to visualize, you cultivate the ability to fo to form mental pictures of distant places and scenes and people and experiences until you can summon them before you at will. And I don't mean just imagine them in your mind. I mean you see them in great detail like that. And so this is not clairvoyance itself, but it's a training of the mental faculties that will help you in the exercise and development of the real power. How can you have clairvoyance if you can't visualize? 
it's just not you can't. So um, another idea is to uh, lay comfortably in a room and cover your eyes. And in the Gansfeld experiments, you need to look those up. The remote viewing experiments. The remote viewing is just a modern term for clairvoyance. Uh, they they cut ping pong balls in half and taped them over the eyes of the subjects, and then uh, shown a red light over the ping pong balls, so that you could see the red light. You couldn't see anything else, but you saw red light, kind of a sensory deprivation. And uh, the Gansfeld experiments led to Project Stargate, the psychic warrior program of the uh, psyops division and that was real by the way the united states were training psychics to spy on foreign nations uh, because russia was doing it and word got out to the american the americans in the 70s that russia was training uh psychic agents not only those who could um read minds but those who could move objects with their mind at a distance and you think well what could that do well imagine if someone could reach out and get inside a nuclear weapon and trigger it. Just one example from a distance. Because remote viewing seemed to have no limitation on time and space. It didn't matter how far away uh, the target was. Uh, people were still describing it in these experiments. Now, the skeptics picked it apart and said, well, it was this, it was that. I, I don't care. You know, I, I knew some of the people involved in this, and... Uh, I was on I was on a panel and a committee once to help design some of the protocols and what the skeptics say is not what happened. People were doing it, and um, do you know why the uh, uh, CIA dropped Project Stargate and the NSA dropped Project Stargate because technology caught up with them? Yes, a clairvoyant could see halfway across across the globe and tell you vaguely what someone was doing. We have satellites circling the Earth can zoom in and read the driver's license number off off your wallet. So um, it just got, technology just got better. And we, of course, now we have spy stuff everywhere. Any, any computer, smartphone, smart TV is capable of spying on you. And if you don't believe me, just talk about something anything. Talk about uh, science fiction movies and then go check your Facebook and there'll be an ad for it because your phone's listening in to you. Uh, it's not paranoid. It's not paranoia. The NSA uh, NSA admitted it. Patrick Snowden, who's now you know considered a traitor uh, because he published these uh, 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 truths about the NSA and the CIA, that they were using these technologies to spy on everybody. They wanted to spy on everybody. They said so. We're going to use every bit of technology at our disposal to gather information on everybody and organize it and study it and learn from it and use it. Uh, this It's 1984, the, you know, uh, the Orwell novel, 1984, that we were warned about, and nobody cares. We, you know, we look at Siri, you know, uh, or Google or whatever, you talk to your smartphone, you go, hey, uh, CIA spying device, find me a recipe for meatloaf, you know, and, and while you're at that, play me a song on YouTube, <laughs> you know, while, while you're spying on me for the CIA, um, and, you know, but we don't, we don't seem to care, you know, we, we really don't. Now, some of us do, you know, I don't, I don't, I'm not up to anything that I want to hide, but I don't really like the idea that um, as a nation, we just don't seem to care that we love our smartphones and our smart TVs and our computers so much that we don't seem to care that basically we're inviting spy organizations into our home. 
it, it, I, it just it cracks me up. So visualizing, visualizing. Now, it's not clairvoyance, but it's getting you there. And then there's a third step called psychometry. And psychometry uh, is based on the theory that if, if an object is in your possession or near you long enough, it will absorb some of your aura, some of your life energy, some of your spirit, and that this can be picked up on or read by someone sensitive to that. It's like you took a needle. Did you ever do this in school? You take a needle and you rub it on a magnet, and eventually that needle will become magnetic. You can make a compass out of it, You know, put it in water on a cork, and it will point to true north. Uh, it's like that. The object rubs on you and gets some of your magnetism. And uh, this is the case with anything that comes in contact with you. And uh, I want to do a sideline here. Um, this is what happens in spell work when a spell worker says, can you send me an item of clothing? Uh, usually I'll ask people to send me a three-by-three-inch square so I can make a doll. They'll send me like a wardrobe. You know, I get a 10-pound wardrobe of everything this poor guy ever wore. Uh, and then some people say, well, you know, I washed it so his DNA isn't in it. Well, it has nothing to do with DNA. You don't need DNA. You know, hair hair doesn't have DNA in it unless there's the follicle on it. It has like mitochondrial uh, uh, fragments of uh, RNA, but you don't get DNA from hair. If it has a follicle, you can. But it, but I don't know where this got around. It's on the internet a lot where you got to have DNA to do the spell work. If this were the case, why do we tell people who have been thrown on when people put powders and oils on them? It's not enough to wash their clothes. They've got to wash it with an uncrossing preparation because the magic is still there. The energy, the spiritual energy is still in the clothing. So if somebody wears that clothing long enough, it absorbs some of their essence, and no amount of washing is going to get rid of it. It's like if you're holding somebody's ring. They've washed their hands a million times. It, no amount. You can you can find rings that have been in uh, stores, uh, pawn shops, for decades, and they've been thoroughly cleaned, thoroughly cleaned, uh, polished, put back on the shelf, and you can still, if you're a psychometrist, hear that ring talk to you and tell you something about its owners. Uh, there's a lot of people in the psychic community who collect objects because of that. They have this whole bunch of jewelry and uh, keys and all kinds of stuff. And you go, well, why did you – none of this makes any sense. And, and I said, well, it called to me. You know, it cried out to me, and I'm giving it a home. And uh, these are psychometrists. So um, you practice psychometry in a very easy way. You get a lock of hair. You get an item of clothing, handkerchief, um, a ring. Jewelry is really good. Uh, minerals, crystals uh, have memory, and they remember very well uh, those things that happen uh, around them. Then you you close your eyes. And I'll tell you that some people like to press it against their, their forehead over the third eye. Some people put it over their heart. When I psychometrize, I usually put it over my heart. The forehead doesn't do anything for me, but the heart does. Um, and you go passive. You don't try to pull anything from it. You don't try to go into the object. You make no effort. You open yourself. You go passive. Uh, it's got to be a completely receptive and passive mental state. And then... You ask the object to tell you its story. That's how I learned it. And um, But you have to let it come to you. You can't force it. 
And don't just start talking random stuff that pops into your head. That's not psychometry. Now, it may some of it may be right, but it's not psychometry. You calmly await the object to give up its impressions to you, and after a while, you will receive these impressions. I know a lot of people who say they're doing psychometry, but they're not. They're, they're, they're getting a psychic link uh, to the person across from them with the object, but that's not psychometry. It, it's entirely different. So eventually you'll get a mental picture uh, going across your mind's eye very clearly. This is where your concentration and visualization comes in. You'll get these very clear pictures, and you can have a lot of different objects, and you'll see people who are uh, natural psychometrists. They'll go to a store, and they'll pick up many different objects. They're, they're the same. There'll be like 10 objects that look the same, and they'll pick them all up and go, okay, this one, I like this one better. They like the energy of it. So now it takes practice to do this. It's like when you were first born, you couldn't really see. Everything around you was just a blur. Uh, you, you really couldn't make sense of words or sounds. It took time. If you're developing these astral senses and they've lain dormant, your astral body is like an infant learning learning to see and hear and talk again and walk even sometimes. It takes practice. Uh, now, there's a very advanced form of psychometry, which is tracing the history of, of uh, metals and minerals. And um, uh, there are people, and they're very rare, they can take a piece of gold and uh, and sort of douse out other gold or take silver and find other silver in the ground. Uh, uh, you know, the Israeli psychic Uri Geller, the spoonbender, you know, he, he caught a lot of criticism from magicians who went around trying to bend spoons like he did. But I've seen Uri bend them. I've seen magicians bend them. Uri does not do what magicians are doing. And uh, he actually made a lot of money helping people find oil wells and uh, sunken ship treasures. And did he did very well. And he did it with a map, and he did it with uh, a pendulum. And he would, uh, if he had uh, an object that was related to what he was looking for, he would douse it out, doodle bug it, whatever, on a on a map. And uh, there was a guy who made a living um, finding sunken ships, who found several ships because of Uri Geller. So this ability is rare. Um, people who can find metal in the ground, you know, gold, diamonds. By but oh, don't don't get into the diamonds though; those people will kill you. But uh, uh, gold and stuff, uh, silver. Uh, you know, go to the um, uh, playground and walk around and go. Oh, there's some uh, there's some coins over there. And back in the day when when I was a kid and the coins were silver, that that could really get you some money. Um, so, uh, but you got to practice. You got to practice. You got to practice. You got to practice. And um, I'm going to tell you that there are people who do think that they're so naturally gifted they don't have to practice. Okay, there are people who think they're natural musicians and they don't have to practice. And for those people. This thing called auto-tuning was invented. Now let's talk about crystal gazing. Um, uh, crystal gazing is a form of scrying, and back in the old, old, old days, they used black mirrors, scrying mirrors, and they used uh, black balls and pools of uh, uh, water. And if you look into uh, the history of this, you'll find an old thing called a psychomantium the Greeks used, which is basically a mirror. Uh, at the end of a long haul. And we talked about psychomantiums in uh, this show at one time, some time ago, but basically you can take a mirror and get in a very dark room 
and tilt the mirror upward so it does not reflect you. And then have a very dim source of light, like a candle behind that mirror. And then you gaze into the mirror. Now this is a dark room with a very dim source of light behind the mirror. It does not reflect you because it's tilted, and you stare into the mirror. And if you do this long enough, you will see something. And I'll tell you that my first experience with that, I read about it in uh, uh, D. Scott Rogo's books. And I said, okay, i got to try this. And I was I was young. I was 15, maybe 16. I was in high school. So I had a closet uh, you know, in my mom's house, and I put a big mirror. It was, it was pretty big. It was about three feet by <laughs> – like three feet by uh, four feet in the closet. And I put it on a chair and tilted it upward. And I put a little candle behind it, and I sat there, and I didn't expect much to happen. And son of a bitch, my grandmother didn't walk out of that mirror in that closet with me. And uh, you never saw someone. I, basically, I about went through that door like like Bugs Bunny does in a cartoon. There was like a hole in that door that looked like me. You never saw someone trying to get out of that door. I forgot how to use the doorknob. I was, I was beating on that door. Ah, let me out. And uh, I got out of there. But then I thought about it, and I said – let me try. You know, about a week later, I tried it again, and same thing happened. And um, this time, it was less traumatic to me and less surprising to me. And I found that this was a wonderful way to um, communicate with spirits and ancestors. And the, I also found I was I was good at it. This is one of those things I was good at. But you see, I had no discipline, which is why it scared me, and I had no control over it. I could not control the uh, the time or the uh, intensity of the image. I'm much better with scrying mirrors now, much better with it, and much better with crystal balls. But you have to start somewhere. And I want to tell you that if you learn to use the crystal ball, and if you look in uh, old occultic books, and if you look in my book, Crystal Magic, you'll see a thing called the astral tube. And this is where you create a tube through astral space between you and whoever else you want to look at. And you look down that tube like you look through a telescope, and you can see them. And furthermore, if you use the techniques that we describe in the Crystal Silence League, you can go through that tube and, and instruct people what you want them to do. You can do silent influence on them, and that's something quite cool. So um, now there's no special powers in a, in a crystal ball or a scrying mirror. Uh, they're tools. However, you can enhance your properties through magical work. You can smoke the balls in incense. You can smoke the mirror in incense. Don't use oils and stuff on crystal balls. Uh, you almost never get that stuff off. But they do work well with incense. And um, all, all stones and all crystals work very well with incense and powders. Um, so I want to tell you that there's uh, the art of preparing your scrying tools it's a show in itself, but I, I never just take something I just got from somewhere I don't know about and start using it without first uncrossing it, blessing it, training it, and telling it what I want it to do, and, and then um, using conditioned uh, oils or magics. Sometimes oil and a lamp will work. You get the smoke from it, but incense, it you suffumigate to get it into a condition where you want it. I do this with scrying cards. I do it with casting objects. Um, and I do this for several days. And um, I, I'll describe that in my next book, the Lithomancy book uh, process. And I pray over the things because I know there are people who just go, they'll just go buy a deck of cards and crack the seal and immediately start reading them. Uh, uh, I, I, I don't. I don't. I prepare them. Now, a lot of the decks I use 
or in my family. I have some of my grandmother's decks. I don't use them anymore. I don't want to wear them out. But um, I found that if I take a new deck and put it with one of my grandmother's old decks, that it will it will take on some of the characteristics of it through a type of psychomancy. But I also uh, purge that deck, Iron Cross it, because I don't know who had it. I don't know what it's been through. I don't know if the postman was having a bad day when he delivered it. I don't know. And um, so I do it. But there's no particular magic in a crystal ball. But its properties can be enhanced through magic. And if you do that, my goodness gracious, um, how much better it works. And and tools of divination, uh, I tell them what I want them to do, each one. Uh, Like if you have runes, I say, okay, rune, this is your meaning. This is the spirit you relate to, and this is the particular aspect of life that you are specialized in. This is what you will go out and find to each particular room. Now, there are people who believe that they already do that, but you know what? Uh, a, rune, a rune is a symbol scratched on a stone, and like the crystal, has no particular power in its own until you empower it. Um we have only about a minute and a half left. I want to talk about a few things, then we'll go back. Uh, but what you use for your scrying crystal, uh, you can use a palm stone, which is a little black stone. Uh, that that It's a flat stone that fits in your palm, and you really have to try these on for size. You want one that fits in your palm that looks like a, a pool of black ink or something. Um, you can use watch crystals. Take a, If you find a watch crystal from a pocket watch and put it on black cloth, and I'm going to tell you, uh, uh, among my grandmother's possessions was a china coffee cup like you get in a box of oatmeal in those days. The inside had been painted black. And forever and ever, I wondered what that was until she told me in a dream. She said, "She said, you stupid boy, that's my scrying cup. And that's my, that's my looking cup. I said, your scrying cup? She goes, my looking cup. You fill it with water. You look in it. I thought, son of a gun. She took, a, she took like a, a free cup, a china cup that you get. It really, it's in a box of oatmeal and painted the inside of it black, and then you fill it with water, and you can look into it and scry. And I said, a scrying cup. You go, the looking cup. She called it a looking cup. So uh, I have that, and it's very good. Uh, next week, we'll pick up where we left off. I hope you find this as interesting as I do, and we'll see you then. <laughs>